Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Shipwreck Show and a very happy Monday to all of you. We've got a whole bunch of people in here already. So I've got Scott and Agot and Joyce and I've got Purple Princess. You guys have all been in here for like a half an hour. They've been chatting about food, in case you were wondering. <laughs> this is what they do. They come in a half an hour early while they're eating their dinner and they chat with each other about what they're eating for dinner. Hi, one chick. How are you? Ladies and gentlemen, happy Monday and welcome to the show. Tonight, we have a very special guest with us. I'm going this way. Dylan Sessler, <laughs> author, motivational speaker, all around, just super great guy. Dylan, how are you today? Uh, I'm good. It's been a it's been a long day, but a busy day, and uh, it's always a good day to be alive. It is. It's always a good day to be alive. So everybody says hi, Crash Cut Ronnie. I missed you. Did miss food talk? Yes, Tom and Lynn. No <laughs> more food talk. We're going to talk about mental health talk now. Um, so Dylan, like it, we were talking a little bit earlier, and so I have followed Dylan, and Dylan and I actually had talked way before running a tight shipwreck, I think probably when it was still kind of an MS, I don't know, motivation account before this all kind of took off. I followed Dylan was one of the first people that I followed. <clears throat> and then we kind of, I don't know, we kind of separated because then I lost a whole bunch of accounts yeah. and then we kind of came back together and I noticed you, you put out a book. And so I, I thought this would be a really awesome opportunity for him and for you guys to bring him on. I want to share your story um, and talk about your new book and, and talk about what you do for people because we're all kind of struggling right now. So Dylan, tell everybody what you do. What do you do? So I am a mental health coach on TikTok of all places. Not the not the place I expected to go, but that's that's where I ended up. Um, I'm just a I'm just a dude, you know, like I don't I don't consider myself a special person or a special individual. I became all that I am from a lot of hardship, you know, like I I'm just a regular person that learned how to overcome, you know, I, I lost my father to suicide at six years old. Uh, I, I was, I was, I was abused by the next man in my life. I was bullied in high school. I joined the military at like 17, deployed to Afghanistan twice. You know, I've torn my, I've, I've destroyed both knees and have come back to still be in the military. I've been in 13 years now, um, you know, and, and now I find myself after, 2015, which was one of the hardest years of my life, like I fell to a point in my life where I almost, I almost killed myself. You know, I, I, I fell to that dark place and I found myself, you know, three, four, five years later after making a huge transformation on TikTok of all places, of know, all places. And I'm talking to people like you and, and, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands at this point, millions of people that are struggling, you know, and I, I, created all that I am to, to help people understand that there's a path forward. Um, and you know, I've written my book for that. So yeah, that's, that's really like the short end of, of my story, but really what, what I am and who I am. I'm just a, just a regular guy and just trying to help people out. So what do you do? So what do you do in like the military? What, what is your, I'm I mean, you, your I, infantry, I, I shoot at people and get shot back at I duck and cover bet yeah, that forward. sounds so talk to me about about your book what motivated you to write a book of all I think when we first started talking I think you were talking about writing a book but I and then we had lost touch and yeah. and then all of a sudden you came out and now you have this book what what is all in the book so the book really was an idea you know back when I was about 10 or 12 years old and oh you know call me call me a dreamer but you know, six years old comes and I, I lose my dad to suicide and, and 
you know, there's so there's so much about that in the book. So that's really where the story kind of begins. Um, but the book, like the idea of the book came at like 10 or 12 and I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking at myself and I, I, I felt so much enormous guilt and shame and regret because of what happened to me, um, that it came to a point where I'm like, I, I need a way to express this. I need a way to, to push this out of, to get this out of myself. And that was like, I've always been a writer. You know, once I learned to write, it was this, it was the thing that kind of allowed me to express. And I wrote poetry back in the day, um, just to let, let shit out. Um, Mm -hmm. and it, and it just didn't, you know, it didn't occur to me that I would be writing a book at 20, at 25, 26 years old after, after my own suicide story. And that's, you know, I, I lost touch with that dream, you know, after around 12 years old, when, you know, I start getting bullied and I'm like, at that point, like you don't think about it anymore. Right. Cause all, all you think about is right. you're in the, you're like in your head right. and in the moment. Right. What's happening to you. Right. And, you know, I, I stepped, I stepped out of, you know, my own suicide attempt. You know, I'm, I'm sitting on my, my mom's, my, at my mom's house, you know, in her hallway. And I'm, I'm, I have a gun in my hand and I'm just like, I had, I finally put that gun down and I'm thinking about all of the things that have happened in my life. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do nothing with this, you know? And that's, I think that's really where the book came back to life, you know? And after, after a year of really focusing on who I am um, and developing, you know, out of this, this mindset of being broken and being hurt and, and, always feeling like a victim. I just just didn't want to be that person anymore. So I I sat down and I changed myself. You know, I changed the very habits that I have endured my whole life that put me in that place. And finally it was, I got to write this down. Like I got to share this with people. Like this process that I've been building is working for me. So I have Mm -hmm. to, I have to share it. Can you, can you give us some point? Like, can you give us some ideas? Like what, Okay, so I can see you just sitting there and, and I know like we've all had these aha moments. I've obviously had them as well. Um, what was that like for you? Like what did, what was the first step that you took? Like when you decided this was, I'm not going to do this anymore. I had been silent for 19 years, mm-hmm. right? I lost my dad at six for 19 years. I never spoke a word about wanting to commit suicide every single day of my life. I thought about it every single day. If I wasn't thinking about my dad's suicide, I was thinking about how I could end my own. Mm-hmm. Right. But I wouldn't do it because, you know, at, at seven years old, I had made rules. I'm like, I will not commit suicide. I will not be my dad. And yet it was all I thought about. It was the only thing that, that, that held me, you know, that, that remained true throughout my life is that 19 years of silence was the thing that brought me to that point where I was, I was sitting there on the ground with a gun in my hand. And the first step to that was that, like stop being silent, right? expose, expose yourself to, you know, the, the idea of vulnerability and understand that it's not about who you tell. It's about knowing that you told someone. Okay. Right. So, you know, and that's my story, right? I don't, I don't want people to, to look at my story and do what I do, right? right? I want people to look at my story and understand that there was a process involved specifically for me. 
and I built that process. And it's about understanding that you are your own person and you have to look at the perspective that is, that is created by you throughout your life. And at some point you have to look back and you have to see the weaknesses, you have to see the strengths and you have to look at them differently. And that's what I did. I had to look at that silence was absolutely what was tearing me down. And it had nothing to do with who I wasn't telling. It was the fact that I was not telling, right? It was all on me. And when I, when I recognized that in the moment, it took about two days to kind of think about all of this, right? Cause it's mm -hmm. like heavy. And I, I, I created a plan. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my two best friends. I'm going to tell them exactly what happened. And I don't care what they say. I don't care if they, they walk away. I don't care if they support me. It doesn't matter. I need to just tell somebody. So just I told get it them. out. Yeah. And I told them yep. and they were, you know, they had no clue, right? Like I was, I was such a good actor at that point in my life that nobody had any idea that I had, I had been hiding all of this behind this like facade of, you know, happy go lucky Dylan. Mm -hmm. And, and then do you I, wish sometimes that somebody would have, do you think, do you ever think do, about that? Why do you think I do what I do? <laughs> I, it's just, just, just wondering. Right. <laughs> right. I, I don't, I don't do this for no reason. I do this because I know that I wished every single day of my life that someone would just understand me. Okay. And that was, you know, that's, that's what I think people are looking for. It's not just about listening. It's about like, I just want someone to look at me and understand that this hurts, right? you know, because so many people are, are living their lives today you know, with families that are so separated and distant from each other, you know, so, so torn apart by, you know, by things like narcissism or abuse or neglect or abandonment that people don't know how to interact with each other with dignity and respect. That's what I see. And I think, well, and I think sometimes the conversation scares people too. Like they don't know. Right there's like a stigma around it, right? There's yeah. like, they're seeking attention, you know? And so then that makes you go further into yourself yeah. because you don't want to be seen as somebody who's just seeking attention. There's a whole stigma around it. Yeah. Um, so Sonia says they usually don't, unfortunately we're very good at hiding it. The brightest smile usually comes from those the most in pain. That was me. That was I would think, me. yeah. Um, Scott had asked, so hold on for me one second. I got to scroll back up. Everybody says, thank you for your service. I agree. Thank you for your service. Sure. Um, how were you able to come out of the pain to start writing? So, and I think we kind of covered this a little bit. This goes with kind of going into yourself. Yeah. There's, there's something about writing about this, this kind of stuff that, that does not just come right. Like mm -hmm. there's a reason that I started the book in 2016 and finished it in 2021. Right. Right. Like, there were, there were times where I could not write about what I wanted to write about because I wasn't ready, you know, like call it writer's block, call it whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is I was not in a position to express this stuff or I didn't understand it. Right. There's a lot of, when you try and write about your story, there's so much growth that needs to happen for you to really understand what you're writing about. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if, if I were to do it all again, you know, when, when I'm looking forward to my next book, I'm thinking I'm going to start with the last chapter because I started with the first chapter on this book and it was, it was so difficult to, to put things together. I want to start with 
what I actually want to say to people in the last chapter. And then my book will flow from there. Right. And then just kind of work your way backwards. Right. Well, either way, like whatever, whatever it takes, you know, like, but the, the real, I think the real impetus that brought me to, to start this process was really learning. I, I had to step out of my comfort zone. I had to start learning from people that had overcome something, right? Not many people have overcome all the same things that I've overcome. So I've had to step outside the the box, like the metaphorical box and learn from other people and how they did it. You know, it, it, it was, it was books like, you know, the ones that I'm pointing at right here, like the body keeps the score about trauma, waking the tiger about somatic experiencing and, and overcoming trauma. You know, it takes what it takes by Trevor Mawad, you know, the choice theory by William Glasser. I read like 30 to 40 books in the first year after that suicide attempt of self-help, uh, motivation, leadership. I needed to understand different ways of perceiving what I was looking at. And that's, that's what I focused on. You know, I, I, I began to really change myself by changing my perspectives. How okay. am I looking at who I am? So, um, Stiletto wants to know, she says she's got a child who has threatened self-harm. I asked him to share. He refuses. She wants to know if you have any suggestions to getting him to open up. And I suppose if you'd look back, looking back at when you were, I'm, I'm, I think if I remember right, her kid was probably teenager age, roughly. Sure. What do you wish somebody had said to you at that point? So self-harm, I didn't really do much self-harm. So, so this is a little bit different, but what I would say is that self-harm usually originates in the same fashion that like things like my silence originates. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a, a deep seated trauma experience or some kind of experience where they don't know how to express to someone or aren't, aren't allowed to, or aren't willing to. So realistically, I would I would bring them, you know, some kind of value on self-harm itself, right? Someone that has experienced it, share it. Like, you know, if you're, if you're somewhat close to them, share accounts on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or Facebook that talk about self-harm openly, talk about the things that they've been through openly, right? Mm-hmm. But to gain trust, like you have to have someone that's willing to sit down and and not judge that, that child. That's, that's the reality is like, you cannot sit down with a child and judge them for not talking to you as a parent. It's not, yeah, and I, I think struggle. I think that's where a lot of parents struggle because we oh, yeah. do, we just want to fix it. We just want to yeah. fix it. You but fix the reality, you can't fix it. And and sometimes it's not going to come from you. And I, as, as a parent of who's now an 18 year old, you know, we've kind of been through this. He struggled a little bit in his early teenage years and it wasn't me. It wasn't me that he needed. It wasn't, he needed somebody that he looked up to and trusted. So, so when you do, you also do like a mentoring program, is that correct? So you do like one-on-one coaching. Yep. So what does that look like when it comes to you sitting down with people one-on-one? Is it a program? What does that kind of look like? Honestly, I call it perspective therapy. Okay. It's, it's, it looks like therapy, but it's not because I'm not a therapist. Right. I don't, I don't act like it. Certainly. I'm sure that when people are sitting here watching me, they're like, that's not a therapist. Right. I don't (laughs) act like it. I don't want to be that. Like I am both a, 
a, a warrior and a, as absolutely empathic as I can be, right? Empathy is such a strong value for me, but mm-hmm. I also am such a realist that what I bring people is a different understanding of what they're going through. It's the same process I used on myself, right? Right. It's, it's flexible. And, you know, people know who I am before they even come to a session. They're like, I trust Dylan. Like I've never mm-hmm. met Dylan in my life, but through his content, he just speaks truth. He just speaks mm-hmm. honesty. And, you know, people walk into a session. I'm like, I have to tell them like, listen, I don't, I know that you like look at me and trust me already, but I don't know you. So give me some mm-hmm. kind of understanding of who, who you are and what you're here for, mm-hmm. you know, but, but realistically it's, it's the healthiest conversation I can give someone to help them understand boundaries, to help them understand their trauma, to help them understand where they can actually go and also remind them that nobody can fix them. It's, it's helping them understand that the responsibility is theirs. If they want to change, it's absolutely theirs. And what I do is give people that in as respectful and dignified way as possible, because I can't be the one that judges them. It's right. it's them. And sometimes that's hard to hear too, though. Yeah. Like when you come to people and say, you know what? You had, had, it starts because people don't want to. I, I had a client yeah. come to me. It was her first session. and It was about an hour session. And she said to me at the end of it that after 26 years of therapy, this was the hardest she had ever been like hit. And I was and she's yeah. like, you are a. a uh, a wrecking ball of perspective in some <laughs> ways. And I was like, I, I don't, I hope that's a good thing. You know, like I, I, I give people the reality. And I think early on, I was a little bit more blunt than I, I am now. And I've, I've learned a lot through the last 18 months of this, but right. yeah, I mean, it's, it's not easy. What I do is not easy. It's not easy on my end. It's not easy on their end, but it's necessary. Yeah. What do you feel like is the biggest challenge right now in terms of mental health as like a collective? Do you think it's more of like the internal, like we have a lot of people that are projecting their emotion, like they say that they're fine, but they're actually avoiding, you know, what they're actually going through. So they're practicing like emotional avoidance rather than dealing with what do you feel like is, is, probably the biggest mental health crisis right now. Something we, we don't discuss as mental health interaction. How people interact with each other is the, I think the problem, right? We look at suicide, we look at depression, we look at anxiety or self-harm and we're like, those are the problems. No, those are the results. <laughs> those are the things that happen because people don't know how to interact with each other with respect and dignity. Right. If you disagree with me and you act like an asshole, like I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Right. right. And then what happens if that's in a family? Well, then now you now you have animosity in a family and then in a, you know, in a structure that is supposed to be a supportive environment, there's judgment. Well, guess what? Guess what happens uh-huh. when you have judgment in a supportive environment? You have mental health issues and people are surprised by this understanding that we're looking at the wrong problem. Like, I think that's the hardest part about mental health is that we're looking at the wrong problem. Right. We're, we're treating the symptoms, not the disease. 
Absolutely. <laughs> so Scott wants to know, and this is actually a really good segue then into this. So how hard is it to describe boundaries to someone who has theirs blurred? So can you talk to us a little bit about boundaries? This is something I get a lot of questions about. Um, I have really good, hard boundaries, but I'm, and obviously, I mean, I'm pretty blunt about it and I don't, they don't bend. Um, but it's really hard for me to describe to somebody else how to, to do that without yeah. them feeling like an asshole. Um, how would you describe to somebody to put up some boundaries or what does that look like to you? Well, you, you said it already. The, the feeling of being an asshole is part of the problem, mm -hmm. right? Like you gotta be okay with it. Yeah. It's, it's not necessarily about, it's not necessarily about harming them. Like that's not, that's not what you're doing, right? If, if you have set a boundary and they step into it and if you weren't, if you were clear about it, they've harmed themselves by stepping into it mm -hmm. because you, you as a person can only handle so much. I set boundaries every day, right? Like if I'm, if I'm having mm -hmm. a tough day, like, like today, I probably should have, but I didn't, I didn't have time to, to really set aside time for myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I'll do? I'll probably set, set time aside for myself tomorrow. I'll take, what I'll do is rather than take on more clients to whether it's to like help more people or make more money, no matter what the cause is or the reason, what I'll do is I'll set the boundaries and control my space. And I'll say, I can't take people. And you know what will happen? People might look at me and say, what the hell's wrong with you, Dylan? Your job is supposed to help people. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't help people if I'm, if I'm not happy with who I am. Right. And too much of this work is too much right? Like this is heavy work and I can only do so much. I'm only one man. And what comes of that is like, it's respecting your perspective, not theirs. Mm -hmm. Like you are the only person that knows 100% of your life. You're it. You know everything about yourself. And if you're willing to knowingly understand that your boundaries are being pushed and allow people to keep pushing them, then you're about to know a part of yourself that you don't want to know. That's a part of yourself that's willing to accept being harmed rather than stepping in and being a hard advocate for yourself, doing the hard thing and saying, hey, this, this doesn't work for me. I need you to stop. And if they push it again, then the boundary has to get harder, right? <laughs> if, if you push me, I need, to, I need you to step out of my life kind of thing. And it's not necessarily about avoiding the conflict. It's about respecting yourself. Like you can have the conflict from afar. You can have calls, you can have texts, you can have conversation, right? But, you know, if you, if you cut out everybody in your life and you never have conflict, you're talking about a different issue. Right. But everybody needs to understand how to give and set and create boundaries, but creating them doesn't do it. It's got to be enforced. You have to be able to say, this doesn't work for me. And this is why. And if you don't understand it, I'm going to step away from this relationship for a bit or forever. I've, I've, cut some, I've, I've set some forever boundaries. <clears throat> yeah. I'm just, people don't realize how much negative energy actually affects them. And I have a lot of people that follow me that are, they, then they are, they're, they're all kind of my age. They've got older kids. I mean, they don't know what to do with themselves because they're so used to people pleasing so when I bring up the idea of, hey, you know what, maybe you need to go take yourself on a cruise or take yourself and they immediately shut down. They're like, oh, no, you know, and it's like this is 
people feel like that, that boundaries, you know, they can be selfish sometimes too. And that's, you can't pour from an empty cup. I mean, that's, that's, that's a point. big thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's called, I'll oh, go ahead. Right. Like it's called balance. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you, you are allowed to be selfish and you are allowed to be selfless. Too much of one thing is a bad thing. If you're too selfless, well, guess what? You're going to get taken advantage of. And if you're, if you're okay with that, then live that way. If you're too selfish, well, guess what? You're a narcissist. Like it's simple, but being selfish enough to say, Hey, I've had a really hard week and I need a day off mm -hmm. is not narcissistic, right? right? If it's delivered in a way that's completely disrespectful because, you know, this person stepped in, right? Maybe it's something that needs to be addressed, that anger, right? It's different. It's different for everyone, but yeah. being both is really important. Being selfish and being selfless is very important. Gary V once said, you need to be selfish so that you can be selfless. And it has probably been my favorite quote for at least the last month now. I like quotes. I'm a big quotes person. Absolutely. Um, so Britt, Britt says she feels guilt when she stops doing for others. It's been hard for me to focus on me. So thank you. You're very welcome. Britt, Britt is one that I talk to too. Um, right. And I've got a lot of people that are just like her. Like we're all kind of in this and I'm doing, I'm going through it too. I mean, I'm, I went on this trip by myself. Um, I left my kids and my husband at home and I went on a trip alone because I'm, I need to figure out who I am now that my kids are all older and, and not everybody is so needy. Um, this is great advice. I learned real quick when I stopped being the first one to reach out. Yeah. So that stop watering dead plants. That was, yeah. that's another favorite quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the boundaries thing, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing. And that's probably the biggest thing that I get messaged about is, is how to set those boundaries and how to be brave enough to do it with people that intimidate you. I have a lot of people that get intimidated by the very same people that they're trying to set boundaries with. What would you do in that kind of a circumstance? There is no right answer here. That's, Boom. that's what I've found. Right. There is there is absolutely no right answer. You know, one answer for one person is not going to work for the other. It is it is such a it is such a difficult thing to step into. It's family. Right. It's, it's always family. It's usually family or right? it's. Yeah, because it's usually family. it's and it. I think it it I say perspective constantly. Right. It's perspective. If you are willing to build up this hardened perspective as a family member that that is never going to change. How are you supposed to talk to that person? Sometimes the only answer is stepping away and, and just creating space. Physical distance is, is absolutely like the most important thing in, in creating a boundary. If, if nothing, if all else fails. So realistically, you know, that's usually what, what really comes of it is like mm -hmm. you learn that this, this person's perspective is never going to change. Mm -hmm. And no matter how you eloquently put it, because, you know, for so long, for so many years, I'm sure there's everybody out there. How many years have you tried to change this person's perspective or viewpoint, not even try and change their mind, but have them see your side of it and they don't even try. Mm -hmm. So how many years are you going to sit there and try before you just give up? And the... just keep hurting yourself because yeah. you're setting expectations that are not yeah. rea realistic. Right. Um, I had a thought and now it's gone. Oh, I was no. thinking about another, I have another situation. It's, it has to do with a lot of that. That's kind of what we're doing is we're trying to teach people how to heal whatever it is that is 
um, kind of given them all of those symptoms. You know, we talked about like anxiety and depression and, and it's kind of the same thing that you talked about. We're doing it kind of in a different, well, we've done it kind of in a different way, yep. but it's healing all of that. And then once that's all healed, you kind of are able to stand whole and setting those boundaries gets a lot easier. And if you were good with it and you stick with it, it eventually becomes so uncomfortable for the other person because you know who you are that they will stop or they'll leave because they don't want to be around somebody who's whole in themselves. Um, I'm more blunt about boundaries to family till in the back. Privacy takes time and that's, I'm reading, sorry, I'm just reading through these comments. That's good. Uh, and making sure I didn't miss any questions. And I told, so Dylan and I were talking earlier, he has had a really long day and I'm going to be, um, not an asshole and I'm not going to keep him on for the full hour, but I did want him to come on and just kind of share his story and his book. I do want to do a plug really quick. So in the description of the live, and then for those of you listening on the podcast in the description of the podcast are the links to Dylan's book are the links for him. Um, if you want to set up a one-on-one coaching session with him, you can do that all through, through these links. You can also follow him on Instagram and TikTok. Correct. We're both yep. still there. Okay. Yep. Um, you can follow him and reach out to him. I'm assuming at any of those different places and Dylan, like I said, I'm not going to keep you too long. Um, I know you're, you're tired and I'm going to set the boundary for you and <laughs> make you go and rest, but really quick, um, uh, toxic people can't stay still at Yes. Okay. So I think we're all caught up on the questions. Dylan, that's, that's all I really wanted. I just wanted you to come on and share your story. And I wanted to kind of introduce you to my base and, and give you as an option to them if they are struggling to maybe be able to reach out to you. Usually at the end of every show, Dylan, I have, or I give our guests an opportunity to give a final thought. And so I'm going to ask you to do that now. Give a, give a final thought. Final thoughts, Dylan. Coping is not healing. That's it. That's pretty deep. That might be the deepest final thought we've ever had. When you look at yourself, what are you doing? right? What are you actually changing? If you're sitting there and coping with all of this bullshit, you are not healing. Healing does not look like what you think it looks like. It's going to hurt. It's going to feel bad. You're not going to enjoy it. And when you come out the other side, you are going to be a different person. So make sure if you want to heal, that you respect that coping is not healing. I love that. Actually, I love that a whole bunch. Thank you. Of course. That's deep shit. That's deep shit, Dylan. Dang, that's it. That's all I got. Dylan, the author of Defy the Darkness. Again, if you want to purchase the book or you want to hit Dylan up, go ahead and go to the description in the live. Thank you guys all for coming out tonight. I appreciate and love your faces. And I will see you guys Wednesday night with Joey Lalabossier. Um, And he's going to come on and we're going to talk about the Medi Lives and all of that jazz coming up. And Dylan, thank you again so much for coming on. You guys have a great night, okay? Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you.